0: Welcome back to another episode of From the Commentary Box. I'm Laura Davis and today I'm joined by Alice Deering. Now, Alice is a Team GB Olympic marathon swimmer. She was the first black swimmer to represent Britain in the Olympics. And she also co-founded the Black Swimming Association, which at its core aims to diversify swimming in the UK and soon worldwide. So welcome, Alice. How are you doing? yeah i'm good thanks and thanks for having me i'm excited thank you (laughs) no absolutely so i think it's always a good place to start um right at the beginning what do we need to know about eight nine year old alice um to i mean all of the accolades you have today
1: well i just got into my first swimming club at eight years old i first learned to swim when i was four or five and then i eventually went into a swimming club when i was eight and it was just because my mum wanted me and my second eldest brother to do something. We're getting too bored at home and we went along to like one session a week and then two sessions a week and it just kind of, we just fell in love with it really quickly and really started to enjoy it. Watched all of the swimming on the TV whenever we could and then re- record it and then re-watch it and try to pick up like techniques that professionals were using. and yeah it just became a, a little bit of an obsession in a way but in a, in a I think a healthy way somewhere to like pour my energy into which I guess is exactly what my mum wanted
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely and I think from my memory of swimming it's it's one of those sports that so many people try when they're like really really young and some stay in it and some leave you mentioned about um like watching swimming a lot obviously the 2008 Olympics were so successful for the swimming team Do you think that kind of you being young over those Olympics and that being your inspiration, do you think that that had any way kind of shaping what you what you've gone on to achieve?
1: Yes. So 2008 was the first Olympics I fully remember watching. Like I would have been definitely old enough to watch Athens and to remember it. But for some reason, I just don't. So I probably didn't watch it. But 2008 especially because I understood swimming I understood the rules of it I was already at that point in an elite swimming club I think I was eight yeah I was 8-11 at that time and I remember watching Becky and Joe in the four and the eight free and it was kind of like an oh my god moment like this is amazing like they're my I guess fellow country women achieving these amazing things and truthfully I didn't I didn't put a line between them and me that it was possible, if that makes sense. If anything, I saw it as like a mountain peak where they were at the top of this mountain and I was right at the bottom, just like cheering them on. And I honestly didn't think I would ever reach that peak. I never thought I would get like anywhere near that point. And I haven't won Olympic medals, but even just qualifying for an Olympic team at the time, I was like, there's so much hard work that goes into this. I don't think that I'm capable of it. And obviously I was only 11 and I didn't like articulate I didn't say that to anybody I just kind of held it internally like oh that's really cool but it's probably not for me and that's fine but then I'm kind of having to myself wrong <laughs>
0: <laughs> no absolutely you've spoken a little bit about like that journey and getting from all the way down there to all the way up there what was the difference between kind of growing up with swimming kind of in a pool to the open water, that transformation into open
1: water. So I never actually meant to get into open water to be honest. It was like just I was given opportunity and I was like, okay, let's go for it, let's take it. So I was always good at the four, eight and the fifteen in the pool from the age of about fourteen onwards. And when I was 16, I got given an opportunity to go do a 10K marathon swim in Portugal to qualify for European juniors. And I was like, okay, it's a free trip to Portugal. Let's go. Like, I don't see any downside to this at all. I'd never done any open water before in my life. Like, I'd never even done a training session, let alone a competition, let alone a full marathon race which I was actually really grateful of because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And it was like, it's the hardest race I've done to this day, like in my life. And I think it always will be because it was like 14 degree temperature, water, 14 degrees Celsius temperature. Um, I wasn't in a wetsuit. I was just in like a racing costume. The ones that you see everyone wear at the Olympics, which cuts off at the knees and i will take my hat off to
0: you for that when i did open water swimming i was wearing
1: gloves like the wetsuit the cap the socks i was wearing socks honestly and like there's, there's probably some seasoned open water people listening maybe that hear 14 and they're like oh my god that's warm but for like i guess an elite swimmer an elite open water swimmer the coldest that we normally the coldest that we'll ever swim at is 16 and then we swim up to warm temperatures of like 31 degrees so it has to sit in those ranges on the day I think they said it was like 16 on the dot or something like that but it was it definitely dropped like because there was wind and rain it was just horrible weather especially for Portugal which was such a shame but anyway my roommate and I we were told beforehand by another of our of our teammates that the likelihood of everybody finishing the race was very low as in everyone on the team who was taken finishing the race was very low and he was like you should really just focus on finishing the race and you know at the time i was a little bit offended i was a bit like of course i can finish the race like what do you think i'm here to do but after swimming for two and a half hours i totally understood what he meant it was the longest swim of my life it was never ending I was freezing and I managed to finish it and it was because me and my roommate promised each other that we would finish the race and that was the only thing that really kept me going I was like well I don't want to let her down even though I've just met this girl I'm not going to let her down and we both finished it both got selected for European juniors and I almost said no to European juniors because I'd obviously had such a horrible experience doing this 10k but they told me it was warmer, it was in Turkey, and it was half the distance. so It was only a five-kilometer race. And I was like, okay, a free trip to Turkey, why not? Let's do it. Like, it'll be fun, and it's only 5K. You, so, and I went and I actually ended up winning the race there. And um, off the back Amazing. of that, yeah, honestly, it was just, it was kind of like, I realized, like I was like, okay, this isn't the most fun Sport to do, I'm not gonna lie, it's absolutely terrifying sometimes. I've swam through packs of jellyfish, apparently, like we swam with stingrays before. There was a competition they did last weekend, which I wasn't there, but apparently, there was a whale shark underneath them and stuff like that. So, I'm really not selling over water here, but anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, not selling over water, you know how they say
0: there's nothing in the water, yeah.
1: I like it when you can't see. Like people, people don't like that, but I prefer it because what you don't know can't hurt you, in my opinion. But when you can see, there's not when... going to be a whale shark in the pool though. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. No. So I just, I was, I've always just been like, I'm going to take the opportunities that come my way, and they came my way in this, in the form of 10k, 10k marathon swimming, and you know what? Like, I love it. I love it because it's given me so many cool places to go to. I've been able to compete for my country. I've gone to the Olympic Games. And it's given me something to put my energy and my passion into. So whilst it might not be the most comfortable race to do, I'm very grateful that I've found something that I'm good at.
0: Absolutely. And I think when some people think like, oh, marathon racing, they might not think like exhilarating, fast paced, Exciting, I mean, but and tell me if I'm wrong, but my little bit of research. Um the world championships, I think it was 2016, um, where in the final 50 meters you like overtook someone yes. to literally in a two hour race yeah. and beat them by 0. 0.5 of a second. Yeah. What was going through your mind oh in that final stretch of the race?
1: yeah so this was world junior um open water championships and i i knew i was in third position it was like 20 meters left to the finish or maybe just a little bit more 25 meters left to the finish and i was in third and i was like okay i'll overtake this girl to go into second and i was in second and i was like why don't i try and go for first and i was like okay and then i just kind of kicked up my legs and sprinted and I don't mean to make it sound so like benign, like it wasn't an effort. It was obviously such a big effort because it'd been two hours of racing. I'd made some really bad decisions in that race as well, which thankfully I guess didn't matter in the end, but I'd been dropped from the pack at certain points, had to catch back up, and then just got a bit complacent as I sometimes do. But I just remember, remember vividly thinking, Okay, you've got you've at least got silver. Let's just try and go for gold. If you don't get it, you don't get it. And I've got a video of me um, swimming past the my competitor actually. And um, yeah, this is this is the thing with open water swimming. I like to say it's a slower and cheaper F1 because there's so many tactics in it. There's so much going on, and um, it is a really exciting sport. It just kind of needs patience from the viewer a little bit. Sometimes, yeah, there might be like. 20 minutes where there's not much happening but when you get to those last like last a thousand meters especially like these higher-end competitions it is so crazy what happens and some of the finishes that you'll see if you ever look into it like you get I I think there was one race where there was like eight women finished like basically in a line and they had to slow it down frame by frame to try and pick out who had come first second and third so like there's it's it is like so competitive and yeah, it can be really exhilarating to watch. <laughs> I was just, I read that and I was like, two hours.
0: And just yeah. managed to get it back close. I feel like people couldn't do that if they tried. <laughs> but um, no, brilliant. Um, As far as you said about the temperature of like the water, Mm -hmm. at the Olympic Games, do they just kind of like turn up on the day and read the thermometer? Or is it always set at a particular temperature? Because I've never thought about the
1: temperature of the water. Mm. So the Olympics, that was warm and we knew it was going to be warm. Um, I'd done a lot of like hot water prep. I was having like hot baths after sessions, hot baths at home. I'd swim in a wetsuit in the swimming pool to try and get that sensation of being warm consistently. But still, on the day, oh my god, I wish I just got in and I was like, I wish I'd done more. It's like I really wish I'd, I'd done like more baths, a couple more this, a couple more that. But I think that's always the ironic thing about when you're actually prepared for something is that you always or personally anyway. Um, you always think you could have done more, wish you would have done more instead of just kind of embracing what you've done anyway. But the Olympics was so tough. It was it was genuinely a really tough race. Didn't swim nearly as well as I wanted to. And it was like the, the cool thing about open water is once you get dropped, that's kind of it. Like it's so hard to pull back meters. And I remember watching um, the the road racing the cycling road racing where people would be ahead by like five minutes and you like i remember my, my team manager was like oh yeah no that that's you can pull that back like it's not that deep that they're five minutes in front when there's two hours of the race left or whatever how long it is and i was just like that's so unfair because if i'm five minutes behind at three kilometers in a 10k race that's it i might as well get out <laughs> like so it's just it's quite an interesting one where you you, like once you've you've dropped that that kind of is it i don't really think i've seen anyone pull back those kind of meters and so you know that's happened it happened to me at maybe six kilometers or seven kilometers at the olympics and it was like the longest like 40 minutes of my life after that i was like because you know what's happened and you're just trying to fight through everything you can i was trying to swim as fast as i could but there was no one to hang off of. There was no one to help me and I had to do it all by myself and it was hot and I was tired and yeah, but that's why, that's why I want to go to Paris because I've got so many regrets and so many things that I'm frustrated with myself Out for my Olympic performance that I want to set right for Paris. What are some of those things? Uh, I just, I was, I took the race for granted a little bit in terms of I usually sit at the back of a pack, chill out a bit, see what's happening, keep my eye on the front, make sure I don't get too far, don't make sure I don't get too far behind or they don't get too far in front, and then kind of like skip round people towards like six, seven kilometres into the end of the race. But at the Olympics, there was only 24 competitors, whereas I'm used to dealing with about 60 to 70 competitors. So being at the back, of a pack of 24 means that you're sat in like 19th but being at the back of a pack of 60 means that you're sat in like 45th and that sound like you're probably hearing that and you're like well it would be so much easier at the olympics and i thought exactly the same thing but the moment one person at the front makes a move and there's people in front of you who might not be able to cope cope with that move or um don't react fast enough and you're sat in 18th. There's there's nobody to work your way up towards the front because the mm-hmm. front's either gone and then you've, you're just strung out and there's no bodies to pick up. So in i was getting really deep into this, but in swimming there's a thing called drafting where you can like like any sport I suppose you sit on someone's feet and your effort is massively reduced because of the water that they're breaking. I didn't get that opportunity to do that once i was dropped at the olympics whereas if you get dropped at a world championships you're 45th but there's like 20 people in between you and what well, well 30 people in between you and the next pack so you have so many people to okay let's work to catch them up okay we're on their feet take a minute to get some rest to get some energy back and then we skip around to the next group and I've done that so many times, but at the Olympics, there just wasn't, there, there weren't those bodies to be able to pick up those take. So it was just, it was a lonely game for me anyway. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh. No, it's so interesting because I think so many people think like swimming is just just swimming, just going <laughs> for two hours. Whereas actually like there's so many tactics behind it and there's tactics behind every sport, even like that you might not know. Like, I, I had no idea that you could basically surf on someone else's yeah. water. That's pretty cool. Uh, that so is, but, um, was, so yeah. for some people that don't know a lot about marathons swimming, um, at the Olympics,
1: is it, is it outdoors or is it in a pool? outdoors oh my god if it was in a pool I think I'd cry like yeah no marathon swimming's always outdoors it was t- it's technically it was open water swimming but they kind of rebranded it to marathon swimming which I think sounds a lot more um bit, a lot more reflects so the marathon is a 10k <laughs> swim you've got a 5k swim and you've got a 25 the 10 is the only Olympic event the 5 and the 25 are at well, they don't even do the 25 at World Championships anymore, but they do it at European Championships. And the 25 is called the Ultramarathon. I've never done that and never will. I don't know how they do it. Like, Just writing it off now. Yeah, no, it's, it's not for me. It's not for me. It's like a five-hour swim. And I've heard some people have like Nutella sandwiches like whilst they're swimming. So a like, little <laughs> side note to my event, especially for the marathon and anything above, there's feeding stations where they have these five meter long poles with cup holders on the end and you they're like they used to be a minimum of every four but now they're kind of more often so you might get like six or eight per race or you might get six or eight chances to feed per race you don't always have to take it and um anyway for the 25k race i think they stick nutella sandwiches in some of these cup holders for some of the swimmers which I just, the thought of eating and swimming. Just oh no. I, I thought of that completely differently. I was like, what do they
0: take in a wrapper? And then it's <laughs> wet it shoes. Shoes. <laughs> pulling it out of the wetsuit. That's such like a little side hustle. Alice, when you're done with the swimming, like set yourself up in the telestand. <laughs> 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 that is. honestly that is brilliant I never expected that if there's a young athlete listening swimmer -swimmer, non-swimmer who's going through a really stagnant period who's I had it with my rowing you start to kind of have those thoughts of like I'm not really enjoying this as much as I was
1: anymore what advice would you give to them oh my god it's gonna sound so radical Uh, honestly okay I would say don't be afraid to take a break, don't be afraid to see what is outside of your sport and um, I think that's always tough especially when you're saying that to a teenager because there's a lot going outside your sport, it's like you know it's exciting, there's like your friends are doing stuff, like more things are opening up to you in the world but if you truly want to come back to your sport you will find your way back to it and if you don't find your way back to it, you're not a bad person, you know, no one's hurt, no one is not, it's, it honestly, it sounds so bad, but it's not that deep, and um, I think that's one thing that we shouldn't be afraid to say to athletes, that, you know, it's great, you've gotten this far, keep pushing if you want to, but don't make yourself unhappy for it, and sometimes, yeah, you, like, you don't want to turn up to training, but you know, you know what you want to get out of it, so you turn up, and you try your best, and you give it everything you've got. But if you can't see that purpose at the end of training, that's when you need to assess what you're doing. So, you know, like this morning, I didn't want to get out of bed really. But I know that I really want to swim as good as I can at British Champs in a couple of weeks time. So I got up, I turned up and actually ended up swimming quite well. If I didn't have that like British Champs goal, it's so much harder to get out of bed. So I'm just kind of saying don't be afraid to take that break if you can't see the vision for the rest of the future but if you're there kind of like me a little bit of a lazy bones where you're like I really want to take a break but then I really want to swim or I really want to compete well in x month's time then you just need to kind of get on with it and it's brutal it sounds so bad but like Mm -hmm. uh, like I've had, I've had people say that to me so many times, like sometimes you just need to get on with it, and sometimes it is hard, but trust me, the pain is all worth it in the end, and even if you don't compete as well as you wanted to, at least you've tried and put in the effort, and that's how I see it anyway, and then also the other one I would say is don't be afraid to make a change, don't be afraid to try something new, especially if you're young, you don't realize how much time you have when you're like. 15 16 17 mm. years old like at the time back mm. then I was like no we need to be good now like like I'm making junior teams now but I want to be making senior teams I want to get to be getting senior medals and I, that was like that was like eight years ago and I'm just like man I what I would do to have another eight years worth of time of that growth so mm. and even even at 25 I'm saying this now I'll probably look back in 2024 and be like oh my god i still had so much time so just don't be afraid to switch something up or try something new and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out you can switch back to the old and yeah so (laughs) so
0: hypothetical jimmy that's 15 years old that's been doing their sports since they were seven um and you know would say in response to that but alice i'm ahead i'm ahead i've been doing it for ages
1: can't take a break because I'm already ahead like what do I do Oh. oh man so it depends what you want if you want to keep pushing you keep pushing but you just need to make sure you're looking after yourself you need to make sure other people are looking after you too um yeah I see too many too many young children and teenagers and young adults getting lost in the sport because there is sometimes too much want too much pressure whether that's from yourself internally or external pressures so i'd say just make sure you got the right people around you to help you make those choices because you are never in this alone and that's the thing that i like you, you've hinted at it earlier there are so many people putting so many hours of work and of effort to make an individual sports career happen and without all of those people it would be nothing so don't be afraid to call on those people whether that's your coach or your mum or your dad your brothers your sisters your friends whatever you all have those people and they want to support you and see you succeed and if you find yourself surrounded by people who you can tell don't want you to succeed you need to drop them as fast as possible and it sounds like so brutal they might be your best friend but if they aren't that interested in helping you grow or understanding your sacrifices and sometimes in turn having to make sacrifices themselves, whether that's not seeing you or you turning up late to a party or an event or something, just let them know in advance obviously it's not nice to be late. But um yeah, if they if they're not there to support you, assess the situation. It's just what I'm Bid I mean. 'em. I say bit 'em. <laughs> True, man. No, it's a tough game being an athlete, and you, you, we're selfish. And this is the thing: like, there's there's times you've got to be selfish, and times that you just—it's silly to be selfish, obviously. So just make sure you call on those people because they want to help you. Balance, that's it. Balance. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Um, you spoke a little bit about obviously there's so there's such a massive team that goes behind like making a successful athlete 100% but who's one person that has impacted you and influenced you in your career that might not necessarily know it
1: oh that might not know it oh my god so first thing that always comes to my mind is my mum I have to shout out my mum like every time she was the one getting up at half four in the morning to take the training sometimes she'd wake up before me sometimes I'd have to wake her up which was always the worst because how harsh is that knocking on your mum's door at 4.25 in the morning to wake her up, to take to take you training? And then when she still got up 10 minutes later, having to go back and be like, mum, I can't leave you any longer. We've got to go because I'm going to get shouted at if we're late. So I just felt so bad. But anyway, absolutely an, an amazing woman. Um, did so much for me. But the person, oh, my God, who he, he might not know it. <gasps>
0: because mm. one thing that comes to mind for me like I was doing a science experiment when I was in um, like year five um, I'm gonna cut to the chase not a sciency yeah. gal um, <laughs> don't have the face for it <laughs> yeah. um, but I was in year five I was really surprised basically we've been set at like summer holiday project task where it was like you've got a, six different ways to get a ping-pong ball out of like a vertical tube. And so I was like, really weird, uh, but we'll go with it. And it was just things like suction and then putting sand in the sides and like the ball raises up and stuff. And basically like four students, there were loads of different tasks. And one student that did each task was chosen to like do it in assembly. Oh. Massive auditorium, 400 parents, kids, you name it. And I got chosen to like show this in front of a load of people and um, basically did it, got to the like fourth or fifth one and used suction by like a vacuum pump, like putting it uh, and it just didn't work. And it was like in front of 400 people and like I tried it and it didn't work, tried it again and it didn't work, tried it a third time, it didn't work. And in front of 400 people, I went, you're going to have to take my word for it, ladies and gentlemen, it does work and just moved on to the next one. Well, come off the back of my, that, and like my soon-to-be year six teacher went to me, Lara, you could be on telly one day, yeah. and that was the first kind of thing that was said to me that was then like planted seeds for me to go and like do like broadcast journalism at uni, present at the Commonwealth Games and stuff, and I haven't spoken to her in years. Like she'd have no idea because that was probably just a throwaway comment, but for me laid so many foundations do
1: you have any like teachers like that or like old swimming coaches god that's such a good that's such a good story for it honestly uh that's really nice yeah because that's the thing as well with like an adult talking to a child you just don't know what you can ignite in that person and where where they realize like oh yeah i'm actually really good at this like i have this i have this knack for this. oh that's that's really nice um So there's one that I've I've thought about recently actually, Um, a woman from Worcester County swimming, I I can't remember her name, she was quite an elderly woman, and this was back in like 2007, she came to visit my swimming club that I was at at the time called Hayden Hill, it's just in Sandwell, and um, They were giving out presentations, I think. I don't know what for. I think it was because we qualified for counties and they might have got them down to, like, do a little, like, celebration thing because we're quite a small club. And she'd watched this swim. And I remember her shaking my hand and giving me the certificate. And she was like, oh, you're a really good swimmer, aren't you? And I was like, I think so. And, like, I I just, like, I don't know. It was something so small. And I guess I did have quite a few people say that to me as I was growing up, especially, like, when I was 9, 10, 11 years old. People who would just come in whether they would see me and say something to my mum or say something to me and like i never really thought about it at the time because i was just like yeah i'm just swimming like i'm not that deep on it i'm just going to try and get as far as i can but then i look back and i realize there are so many people who have encouraged me in some way whether that's been from afar or been near like a lot of people noticed my potential and said something positive about it There have been some people who noticed my potential and tried to do negative things you know that's like sport but um yeah i think it's always nice when do you you know like in a like in a nightclub or something like when girls like compliment each other it's kind of like that Mm -hmm. it's 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 allowing that like nightclub toilet yes you want your
0: self-esteem boost go to a girl's (laughs) toilet in a nightclub
1: It's so true but it's like it's literally like that it's just like encouraging where you see it and not being afraid to say it especially if it's something positive like go out and speak positive things to people because you never know where what that might what that might give them in the future
0: yeah 100 percent. there's so much positivity there is also you know with elite sport comes competitivity toxicity sometimes jealousy um can you describe one of your I'll show you moments
1: oh god this is so long ago oh my god I was like I was nine we're pulling out all of those memories (laughs) I was 10 um so we were doing relays in training and um It put like head to head me and this other girl who was like exactly the same age as me, and we kind of like competed against each other and everything, and it was like back and forth. She didn't really like me, so in turn I didn't like her. (laughs) And um, we we've been put head to head. We put other people in our team, and she was going to anchor it, so she was going to go at the end because that's like that's the leg that everybody wants. Everyone wants to go at the end. It's like you finish it off. It's cool. And yeah. She was going then and I was like, OK, well, if she's going then we're, we're going to we're the same speed, we'll finish roughly the same time. She might just beat me. I might just beat her. But if I go against someone who's slower than me, I'll have more chance of my team winning. So I went like second, I think. And she, she held back and went last. I went second, went against a girl who was probably quite a bit younger than me, quite a bit slower than me, ended up getting like a 25 meter lead on her or something silly like that. And then it was at the point where no matter how fast my teammate, my rival was, she wouldn't be able to catch it up. So the rest of my team finished and we won by like 10 meters. And, um, I remember my coach looking at me because I had like devised this plan in my head as like a nine year old mm-hmm. or something and um she remember her looking at me and just being like quite impressed and I was I was a real like yeah. yeah I know what I'm doing here like you don't always have to have the glory legs sometimes you've got a you got you to gotta yeah. put the work in in the middle because it's all going to happen either way so um yeah. oh, man, I haven't thought about that in ages but I remember my mum was really proud of me because like it wasn't just like oh she's a fast Mm. swimmer oh she's actually switched on as well like she knows what's going on which i guess is why i'm in marathon swimming because you Mm. have to be switched on no
0: 100 percent i remember i had an experience like that in rowing it was like so i did hockey like literally the whole of my childhood Mm. and then when i was like 13 14 i joined rowing and then for a little while i was doing them together and then i hopped over to rowing like to do that full time and I just started rowing. I was quite short, but because I'm like, might like my hockey, I was a strong rower. Mm. and um we'd been I'd been put in the B team, um and the A team like kept on going to all of these events. yeah, and this was the first event that the B team had ever done. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, we um it was like a tree diagram where we had to race these competitors that our a team at all of the other events had never lost to. So they just assumed that they got a buy like buy into the final. So they just kind of thought, oh, we'll we'll meet Ross in the final. Um, we went out in like the B squad, and um, one on the day, one of our um, one of our people went sick. So where the event was held, like gave us an athlete who oh, like gave us a load of like tips that we hadn't covered in racing starts yet. Anyway, cut a long story short, we beat the people that. They'd never beaten before and got a buy into the final and then it was A team versus B team. I love that. And it was so close the entire way and then we took as the B team like we beat them just last <sighs> minute. And it was one of those days where it was just like there was so much tension in the squad. It's so <laughs> awful because you're like I love you guys but I hate you for this one yes. day. <laughs> yeah. So and honestly, we turned up to training on the Monday and the but the a team and b team it was like ripped up then there was loads of like seat racing to see who and it was just and the b team were all the short ones and we were like we might be short but we're strong um and so but you do have that like seat racing like even though you're like what 12 13 at the time it's competitive yeah and you've got to like learn to love and hate like but in proportion obviously and balance and don't don't hate people but you know what yeah. I mean it's
1: that um it's, it's, it's not that deep like yeah
0: <laughs> not that deep but I want to win but yeah.
1: it's not that deep <laughs> yeah it's not that deep to like hate people but like that drive that competitive drive mm. is so important because that would have made you all perform better like that like I imagine that 18 were probably trying the hardest they ever would have like I know I would have mm. if I was in one yeah of, and same for you like it would have given you a better performance, surely. Let's let's touch a little bit on like
0: um, the Black Swimming Association, of yeah. course. Um, for people that don't know,
1: what is it? The Black Swimming <laughs> Association, the BSA, is an organisation which has been founded to promote the inclusion and diversity of swimming of aquatics. To make sure basic water safety is getting out to everybody out there, especially Black and Asian communities who we feel and know have been left behind like in the past by the aquatic sector for whatever reason and just want to make sure that everybody has fair and equal access to learning to swim because it is a life skill. Like Mm. everybody should have been everyone should have opportunity to learn how to swim and actually learn how to swim not just like be allowed to get away with not swimming being quite blunt but anyway that's there's issues that we're tackling but um yeah I just I got tired of seeing these stereotypes these comments online that black people can't swim that we don't float that we're better off at other sports and then even more tragically seeing black families drowning and just not feeling like there was any power that we were able to do anything about it so um four co-founders myself included we got together and just were like why don't we do something about it and I'm really grateful that we sat out on it because it's grown it's grown a lot but it's going well
0: you mentioned a little bit earlier like hair and braids Mm. and how that has an impact what are three things that make um or more if you can think of more but like three core things that really make swimming less accessible to like black and minority
1: ethnic communities oh gosh so um fine so finances this affects everybody but i think it's one of those things where think money gets tight money's really tight at the moment and mm-hmm. for certain people swimming will be the last thing on their mind they Like, you can't budget for the cinema, let alone trying to take your kids to go to a swimming lesson. So it's one of those things where it's very easy to just be like, don't need to worry about it. You know, I never learned how to swim, as in, like, say I'm a parent, I've never learned how to swim. I'm doing fine. I've never got into trouble. There's no point taking my kids to learn how to swim. And their kids might take the same mindset to it, and it just kind of passes on down like that. But a high percentage of people who drown never intend to get in the water in the first place. So this is people who are falling in or for whatever reason don't mean to get in and then drown. So um, gone off on a complete tangent there, but first one, finances. Um, Second one, I think generationally, culturally, there might be aquaphobia, which has been passed down, Um, looking across to America, the slave trade industry, they were told as slaves, stay away from the water. It's dangerous, things like that to stop them from trying to escape. And then again, that will be passed on in some way or form to their children. Stay away from the water. It's not good for you. Passed on again and again and again. And we end up in a place where we're at now, where in, in England, 85% of Black children and 95% of Black adults don't swim regularly. We don't know how many who can't swim so that there's like obviously issues that we're dealing with there but I think it's generationally it's definitely one of our main issues and then also a third one yeah I guess it's it can just be inconvenient swimming can be really inconvenient you you get wet (laughs) obviously and then you've got your hair to deal with you've got your skin to deal with it can, the pool might be really far away from your house, you might have to get like two buses to get there, I know the leisure has had some serious issues at the moment with chlorine sources, lifeguard sources, swimming teacher sources, um, yeah there's issues, there's issues there and we're, there's a lot to deal with, there's a lot to unpack but we're definitely trying to work through it because it needs to happen, like sooner or later this needs to happen, we, we can't allow people to keep not, we can't allow this to keep happening basically it's frustrating me
0: it's it's something that you're so passionate about swimming um the black swimming association who's alice when the swim cap comes off
1: ah she's a bit of a nerd okay no a lot okay a lot of a nerd i like i really like video games um that's my big thing um and like even if i don't get asked this in interviews i will like wedge it in somehow. I love video mm-hmm. gaming. It's the way I unwind. Um and yeah, that's just what I like to do, is just sit on the sofa and play video games. I <laughs> so love that. I, got, I get really passionate about games. <laughs> no,
0: no, but it's so like like we were saying earlier about swimming being your identity. And you've got to have so many kind of strings to your bow because you know it's it's things that shape you and I think another thing as well, traveling, you like traveling, yeah. I've seen like a lot on social media, I'm like, she, she's been places, she's going places, she's been places. Um, If there was, I'm trying to think, if there was one place where you could do like a three week tour, one country in the world that you could do a three week tour on, based only on food, where would it be?
1: Japan, Japan, I was like, I was like Italy and then I was like Italy's amazing but I just think Mm -hmm. there's there's other places in the world that have like some real depth to their food and I'm not saying Italy doesn't you know it it is a height of cuisine but I think I just don't feel like I've really touched the surface with Japanese food and like I love a katsu curry and um, it's so basic but like ramen as well I'd love to try like properly try ramen yeah I think Japan because there's so many layers to it sporting inspiration serena williams and like it like i feel like i wish i don't wish it was someone else that sounds really mean she's a legend she's the goat but she's so like yes yeah, serena williams and sometimes i'm like do i know anybody more like a bit like oh who's that but like it's serena williams mm-hmm. for a reason like she is yeah. woman in sport like she's she's the blueprint for sports women and especially to have a baby and then come back and be at the top of the game like absolute legend so yeah I like it sounds really mean when I say I wish it was someone else I don't really wish it was someone else because if it I yeah. would find someone else but like I think she's everyone's inspiration and I think that's just so cool
0: <laughs> I know what you're trying to say though it's almost like you want someone that's like like we were talking about that mountain like from being eight to like the Olympics it's almost like she's so up there that you're yes. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, that looks that looks unreachable doesn't it yeah. like it doesn't mean that you you can't try you can't go for it yeah. but I know what you mean it's like someone going like I want to be a singer love Beyonce want to be yes. her one day yes. it's yeah. like that could yeah. look yeah hundred yeah. percent anyway there's something that I like to ask um everyone on this podcast um as kind of like the final one leading on obviously you know now what it's all about getting to know you as an athlete the person behind the medals um and everything in between who would you like to see on the podcast and what sport do you think is under like doesn't get the rep that it deserves and that you'd like to see featured on the podcast
1: i want to shout out ruth mwandaba she is a shooter in the GB squad, and she's a black woman. She, can't, I think she's doing a PhD. She's still currently studying at the moment. Um, I've met her a couple of times. She's absolutely lovely, and I feel like we're quite kindred spirits because um, even like so for myself, there aren't many black swimmers out there. For her, I don't think there are many, if any, black shooters. So I think we kind of have the same understanding of what it means to move for a sport where you stand out a little bit more, especially something like shooting. But I imagine that's something that she would talk about if she came on. But um, she's a lovely, lovely woman. And um, I'd love to see her get the coverage that she deserves. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the commentary bar. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Absolutely loved having you. I That's know good. I've loved our chat. I just want to
1: carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I've had a lot of fun. Thank you. It's been good. <laughs> well,
0: let's see who's next to step into the commentary box. Bye bye.